Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Here we go, talking about hockey for one full hour on Hockey Central at noon. I'm Kelly Kirsch. We've got Logan Gordon producing today and Peter Klein from his palatial home studio. PK, how are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, we, we get extra hockey. The, the Stanley Cup final isn't set on September 16th. So, yeah, it's a pretty good day. You sound amazing today. This is the best uh, Peter Klein we've had in a while. I don't know what's going on, but I hope you never change. That's a great endorsement from the boss. You yeah. like to hear that. I'm concerned about how I've sounded uh, up until this point, uh, up until this point, sorry. But uh, yeah, I'll take that. that yeah, no, that's good. There we go. That's that's right on brand. Um, let's talk to the one, the only, Peter Labardius. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Lou, I uh, listened to a lot of the uh, game last night on the radio, saw a bunch on TV, talked to Logan today, and uh, we have decided that is the most boring double overtime playoff (laughs) game we've seen in a long time. I hate to be that guy, but it's like, who wants this game? What is it the bubble? Is it the way the Islanders play? I mean, top top of the of the heap for them to to live another day. But what did you think last night? It would have been later for you out there too, right? Uh, it, it it was much later. Um, I would say that it didn't rank incredibly high on the excitement scale. But what I would say to you is. For the New York Islanders, when you think about how they match up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, do they want a track meet or do they want it in the mud with the grossest pair of rubber boots you could ever find? Yeah, it's like Minnesota wild hockey back in the uh, turn of the century, right? Right. But the thing is that you have to give them credit for is it's it's not easy to play that way. It's, It's not necessarily obviously fun for the fan or it doesn't get you jumping out of your seat because believe it or not and I can usually take positives out of any game in any situation but somewhat like you I must admit um, while I sat through all of it and was able to analyze and pick away at different things um, that one didn't necessarily move the needle for me in a big way either outside of the fact that you know, you have to be able, in that sense, to appreciate, you know, the Islanders are on the ropes. Um, it's truly a life-or-be-done situation. And think about this, too, gents. Remember, they were shorthanded late in the game and into overtime for four minutes. And and I truly thought when the Beauvillier high-sticking penalty on Sergeyev happened, I thought, okay... It's all all good and done. Now it's we can get ready for Dallas and Tampa. But, you know, they got a break. Shattenkirk fans on a point shot. Anders Lee, who did a great job earlier in the game, blocking shots in a hard, hard two-minute shift without a stick, makes a great read, excellent pass. And Jordan Eberle, who, you know, made a huge name for himself, obviously going back to his world junior days, scores a big, big goal and maybe the biggest goal he's ever scored in his National Hockey League career in double overtime. And we've got a game six tomorrow. P, 
PK, did you think that Nikita Kucherov was ever going to come off the ice? He played an absolute ton. You know, without without point, he kind of took it on his shoulders. I thought it was, uh, you know, they didn't win, but it wasn't for lack of trying for him. No, that, that was uh, an incredible performance, just the, the amount that he was out there. You generally don't see that from the forward position. Normally, like, okay, Victor Hedman, 36 minutes. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And to have Kucherov in that same neighborhood, uh, I think, shows, um, uh, I guess, uh, a bit of desperation that we can't let this Islanders team back in this, but also shows the importance of Nikita Kucherov on that team. That This is, I still think, a, a deep team for Tampa Bay when you look at the talent that they have, but there is no question that Point and Kucherov right now with no Stamkos are the straws that stir the drink. And when you only have one of them, I don't mind the strategy of just riding with the big guys. I'm assuming Kucherov gets the day off today before uh, game six tomorrow, but no, just a, a pretty incredible performance when you look at 36 minutes from a forward. I thought he looked a little frustrated though, guys, to yep. be honest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think if you were to ask John Cooper about his evaluation of Nikita Kucherov, yes, he was riding him. Yes. There was that one spot where Scott Mayfield upended him around the net and looked like it was going to be game set in the series over. Um, but I think he extended some shifts that he didn't need to. And what that game told me last night, if you weren't completely aware, are the Tampa Bay Lightning not a completely different team with Braden Point in the lineup as opposed to when he's not? Yeah, it sure it sure takes their depth away a little bit too, right? And I know Barry Trotz kind of it takes. I think your best player away. Yeah, to be honest. N nothing against Kucherov. Uh, I think Braden Point has ascended to that type of spot. Yeah, and it just you, you can't just take a guy like that out and think that you can kind of just keep that that engine and roaring. And, and you know, and, and guys, Barry Trotz shook up the lines a little bit. You know, he he put Cal Clutterbuck on on the top line. Uh, but they still, that team has a, a real struggle. Uh, we'll go with Logan first. Their, their offense just, they just can't seem to generate a bunch, and they caught a break, and they needed that break. Otherwise, they'd still be playing probably. Yeah, they took advantage of the best opportunity they had probably all game. It's just it's going to have to be that way, I guess, if, if you're New York. You're going to have to make your you know chances count because you're, you don't get a lot of them, the, you know, I think that they have some great offensive players when you talk about Anders Lee and Barzell and, and even Bavillier. But, you know, when you're playing tough teams, this is tough hockey. This isn't, you know, easy hockey, an easy time to find scoring at the best of times. It doesn't get any easier this time of year. And when you're, you know, more of a, a committee group like the Islanders are where you're trying to get offense from, you know, up and down your lineup, you've really got to make your chances count or else you're going to be in tough and, I mean, this is how they're going to have to win these games. They can't get into a scoring contest with Tampa Bay. We're chatting about what happened last night as the Islanders win in double overtime. They force a game six. That game will be tomorrow. We'll have it for you right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We've got uh, Peter Labardis, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon. I'm Kelly Kirsch. And, and PK, I guess, you know, we, we ha if you can't really have a conversation about the Tampa Bay Lightning and their injuries, um, but this is this is you know we've talked about how they've had to challenge themselves and how when things are are kind of tough they've gotten themselves off the mat they got away with the uh, 
you know, after getting swept in four straight, they've had some big overtime games that have gone their way. And, and we thought that, hey, they had that, uh, they had that penalty, which I'm not sure if that was a double minor, but it was. Um, now this is, is it advantage Islanders now? Or how do you, how do you see it heading into tomorrow? I, I don't. I, I still don't view it as advantage Islanders. Um, I give all the credit in the world to the Islanders for hanging in that game and winning. The Islanders uh, or the Lightning still outshoot the Islanders 37-24. They still, I think, have the more talented team. And while Braden Point's injury concerns are certainly just that, they're, they're quite concerning, I still look at the talent on this Tampa Bay Lightning team and see what they have gone through to get to this point in the, the Stanley Cup playoffs where they are a win away from going to the Stanley Cup final, they have been through hard situations before. The The Boston Bruins getting through that team in five games is not an easy thing to do. And doing this the whole time without Stamkos, I, I just, I view Tampa Bay as just a notch above the Islanders. And I, I still, even with a, a loss in game five, they still have two more cracks at it. I, I'm not overly concerned from a lightning perspective. What about you, Lou? Uh, I'm not concerned one iota. Um, I think the difference is in comparison to these two teams is expectation. And with every game that you open the door for the team playing with more house money than the team with the expectation, especially now of not only playing in the Stanley cup final, but I would think, if Braden Point comes back, take nothing away from Dallas, they'll be the favorite in the Stanley Cup final. I think it's really about one thing. It's about mindset. Even last night, I, I think maybe we'd be in agreement. Did we not still feel like Tampa was the better team? Yes, we did. Even without Braden Point and the amount of chances or the limited amount of opportunities that the Islanders get, remember that while we're quick to point out about maybe that the Islanders have to do it by committee, no, the Islanders have to do it that way because even without Braden Point in the lineup, the Tampa Bay Lightning are an incredibly deep, fast, you know, gifted team. So the only way when you match up in sports is what do you have to do? You have to be comfortable in doing it the best way you can to give yourself success. And that's the part people miss sometimes. I mean, I can't get into a, a big fight if I don't have the same kind of weapons. I have to learn how to go about my business different. But in the case of Tampa, not concerned. Uh, I, I believe that, you know, if you put even that game on the table again tomorrow night, but let's give credit where credit is due. The New York Islanders, you can say whatever you want about maybe they don't score enough, maybe they're boring, maybe they're not the most fun team to watch. You know what they've changed in New York? They've changed the culture. Yeah. And they believe. Mentality is different. You can tell on the bench the mentality is different. They, they absolutely do. And while we don't find it aesthetically pleasing, you know what? They don't care. They keep scratching and clawing and beating people that maybe some would suggest they don't have any business doing, but they're doing it. And they're still very much alive in a scenario, as I pointed out earlier, like, let's be honest, gents, 
who has the pressure on them in this series? It's not the New York Islanders. No, it's it's got to be Tampa Bay. And guys, when when we saw that last, you know, few seconds left in the game goal by by Tampa, and just the the body language we talk about from the Islanders, they look defeated. But you know what? They get back to their hotel room and back to their uh, banquet room where they, you know, regroup and. Man, you, you couldn't tell that that happened to them in the game last night. They just said, okay, let's let's play again here. We're not done yet. Nope. And uh, even the great explosion by a normally not very emotional Semyon Varlamov told you a lot about what it took and what it required. And, you know, they're not ready to leave the bubble. And the great thing is, whether you're talking about the Calgary Flames, whether you're talking about the two teams that we're talking about now, when, when you're a franchise like the Islanders in particular, who, A, haven't been to this place since 1993, you don't think it doesn't help your younger players and your core guys to keep going through this process? There is no way to put a price tag on the kind of experience that you go through. It's like what the what the Canucks went through. That is going to pay yes. dividends for them for it a long, should. long time. And and we'll see what happens coming up uh, tomorrow night uh, from the Hub in Edmonton. The the guys were talking on the morning show, Lou, and I thought I'd get you involved in this because it's interesting. Because normally, you know, the Dallas Stars are are sitting there going, if if this is like a normal year. They're sitting there going, you know what? I hope it goes seven to triple overtime because we're at home. We're cool. Everything's good. We'll practice. We'll do our thing. A little different when you're in the in the bubble and you can't go anywhere. You wonder if that is advantage east and or can somehow the Dallas Stars channel their 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 mental you know fortitude in a different way to make this work for them, this extra rest they're going to get that maybe they didn't think they were going to get? Well, I think in the case of Dallas, um, A, I talked earlier, guys, about mindset. When when you flush what's happened with Dallas out a little farther, you get the sense that they're a team with a number of players who are being held up by the greatest hockey tape you could ever have. So, yes, is there a worry about um, getting out of a rhythm? Yes. That they're on a bit of a roll? Yes. But health and having all your best people available, I think, especially if it is the Tampa Bay Lightning that they face, if ever there was a scenario that you want all your people, and Dallas, one of their strengths is their depth and their physicality, so I don't see it as a negative whatsoever. Now, will people quickly point to that if they're not ready to go in game one? Yeah, they will. But I see some real advantage. And I understand the bubble, Kelly. It's a great part of the conversation. A few extra days, you're out of your rhythm. But you know what? As a group, they still get to practice. And if your mindset is in the right place, it gives – it gives Radic Faxa some more time to get ready. He's a pretty important piece. It gives all your banged-up guys a few more days without not just the physical gruel, but the mental grind of being in these kind of games. And 
if you really like hockey, well, guess what the bubble allows you to do as a team? Tomorrow night, they again, if they choose to, they get to go out and watch their opponents and spend a night learning even more about them. And you will never, ever convince me that as much as we now live in a world of videotape and showing players clips, and in some ways that's what they prefer, there's something to be said, if you bother to, to watch your competition perform with your own two eyes. And frankly, it's been a neat thing, and I've heard lots of players and coaches talk about it, that it's given them a different feel and a different perspective of players because you get to watch a lot of people with your own two eyes. Yeah. We're chatting with Peter Labardi, so we got Peter Klein, Logan Gordon. It is Hockey Central at noon right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. PK, I'll ask this. We, we talked with Lou a, a while back. Uh, I think it was after the, uh, the Colorado series. Dallas... Do we have to uh, look at the Flames' defeat to the Stars differently now because they're going to the Stanley Cup final? And I, I, I hearken back to 1993 uh, when, when the Flames lost to the Los Angeles Kings and they went to the Stanley Cup final. Same thing with Vancouver. D- do, does that change things for you as, as a Flames follower, as, as when you make off-ice decisions, off-season decisions? Or does it matter to you? Uh, it, it changes it a little bit, but it still doesn't really matter. The The end game is still you want to be where the Dallas Stars are. And so regardless of how well the Stars have done, that's still a level that you want to be getting to as a franchise. And I, I wasn't so much hung up on the result from the Flames as how they got there. And I look at the the style of play that the Flames were implementing and I liked a few of their players and I didn't like a few of their players. And I I don't think that the competition changes that. Like, I I think how they played against the Jets, even with no Shifley or Line, I I just look at what the Flames are doing when you're analyzing things from an offseason perspective. And I look at what the Flames did against the Dallas Stars and I, I more just look at how the Flames handled things uh, compared to the result of the games. And for Calgary, I I just didn't think there was enough playoff-style hockey. There was some, there was certainly more than years past, but that playoff-style hockey that you need to succeed, I I don't want to say at this time of year because it's supposed to be trading camp, but you you know what I mean. In in these sorts of games, I I still didn't see that there from the the Flames and certainly from the Flames' top players enough. And that one, regardless of competition, that that opinion for me wasn't going to change. Logan, what about you? Does it change the, uh, the fact of what happened with the Flames and Stars, or is it same old, same old for you as the Dallas Stars are, are four wins away possibly from, you know, winning a Stanley Cup their second in franchise history? No, I'm, I'm kind of in the same camp as Peter. I didn't. I don't think it changes too much. I think you were still, you know, whatever it was, 10, 11 seconds away from having a, a 3-1 lead in the series and, you know, being in a completely different spot regardless of what Dallas has done now. And I think that, you know, round by round and opponent by opponent, these things, you know, change and, and evolve, you know, just because you know, Dallas did well against Colorado doesn't mean Calgary would have done well against Colorado and so on and so forth. So I don't really take that. I give, you know, Dallas tons of credit for what they've done and how they've worked through, 
injuries and had different guys step up in their lineup. But it, as far as what it means for Calgary and, and them going forward, I don't think it, it changes things or lessens the blow, if you will. Lou, uh, I'm, I'm not with the young guys. It changes for me. It what, does, what, eh? For, for me, it does. It's like those guys obviously had something going. And, uh, you know, you know to, to get like, – they got through Vegas, Colorado, and a very tough Flames team. I, I I think you have to put yourself in the same frame as 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 some of the other teams. You, you, give me your thoughts on that. Maybe I'm maybe I'm um, alone. Well, I actually on this one, I think you are alone um, because I'd probably uh, I'd come over and give the two young guys a virtual hug right now. I really would. Um, I, I'm in the same camp. I I think what playoffs show you is that. Every opponent you play is different. The matchups are different. The scenarios are different. And I look and break it down far more the way that Peter so eloquently described is who was able to raise their game and who wasn't able to raise their game. Um, Yes, can we all think about Calgary being 12 seconds away from having a 3-1 lead? Yes, but now you're assuming, Kelly, that you're going to handle Colorado the same way in the matchup. You know, you need so many things to kind of follow suit. So to me, when a series is over, that's where it stops for me, and it goes right back, and maybe we'll get there tomorrow. I was hoping maybe we'd get there in part today in terms of now that we know that the coach – and is back and we'll see where the coaches go like what should the flames priorities be and and what should potentially they be looking at first in terms of how to get their game to a better place in the playoffs so no i'm i'm actually for a change i'm i'm in the camp of them i think the minute your series with somebody is over it's over yeah okay uh, we should dig into that tomorrow, guys. And, and uh, I know Boomer floated the uh, uh, Matt Dumba to Calgary just with what's happening with Minnesota and, and how that would go. But I think we should kind of maybe figure out what the Flames really need to to make sure that they get a better result against the Dallas Stars next time around or whoever they play. I think that would be a, a good thing for people because we're starting to think about it. Um, I mean, I'll tell you, October 9th is going to come up on us pretty quick here. You know, yeah. it is, it is it going to so come up fast. So is the draft. And... Yeah. All those things are going to come up, and it's it's going to be very interesting. Well, we're a little over time again, but we'll let you go, Lou. And uh, tomorrow is Thursday. We'll have our chat and uh, maybe a little more Flames focus tomorrow. Okay, we look forward to it. There okay, have a great day, everybody. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. I'll tell you, it's 2020 and you get some uh, you get some different looks these days and different compliments. People love my tub mask, guys. They love the, uh, the logo on it and it's Alberta's own tub mask, the official mask supplier of Sportsnet 960 The Fan. People ask me, what's that? Those guys you got on the air with you? Here's the story. Um, they got this neoprene that is really cool. Uh, it doesn't smother you, but it still protects you. Customizable, fully adjustable, durable, military-grade, breathable neoprene masks. 
with removable anti-fog nose clips. The mask that will last, and you can get yours. You can order them up for your group, your team, your club, whatever, at tubmasks.ca. Do it today. Check them out online. We'll take a break and reset what's happening in the Stanley Cup playoffs and all other things hockey next, right here on Hockey Central at Noon. Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, here we go. Kelly Kirsch, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon as we uh, get ready for Hour 1 of the big show coming in after 1 o'clock. And we'll have some Blue Jays for you. We'll join it in progress. The Jays hoping for a bit better of an effort than the... uh, It was a tough one last night, PK. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's not going to get worse. So that's that's (laughs) the positive. Yeah, they've had a couple of tough ones uh, within a week was they got blown up by the Mets and they get rebounded. And uh, that was a rough one last night, 20 to six. So we'll see what happens uh, coming up later on today. We'll join that at six o'clock. Uh, yeah, we talked about it as uh, Logan got in today. I said, yeah, that was probably the most boring uh, double overtime game I've seen. And, and probably because maybe we had our, you know, we had Tampa Bay kind of set to win this and, and move on and be rested but I'll tell you, when you look at that Islanders team, guys, and we'll start with with uh, PK. I mean, they've got some scoring for sure. That back end is like, you know, okay, these guys are not sort of household names or anywhere near it. But is it all Barry Trotz? Is it a system? Is it just the way they're they're doing things? They for a while they couldn't figure out which goalie they wanted, and now it's it's looks like it's going to be Varlamov. And uh, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I do think most of it is Barry Trotz uh, and the, the system that he has implemented. I, I do I do like a lot of the pieces offensively that the Islanders have, and that's been one of the more surprising things throughout these playoffs is how, I guess, dynamic this team can be offensively. You just kind of think of, okay, well, they don't have a ton of star power, so they probably just clog things up and a puck squirts loose and eventually it bounces into the net, and that's how they win these games. But there is a lot of offensive talent on this team led by guys like Matt Barzell, but I think the success that they have is mainly the system that is in place by Barry Trotz, and you do have to credit the players for buying in. Like We we had a couple of segments yesterday talking about how do the stars stack up against the lightning we're, we're already previewing a stanley cup final that isn't necessarily set yet and, and when we're watching the, uh, watching the game last night i'm thinking okay yeah it's just kind of going through the motions like the islanders are going to try really really hard but tampa bay is going to end up winning and then eberly scores and oh I guess the Islanders are allowed to win this game. And the Islanders have that belief in the system and the belief in themselves that they're going to be able to get through this. And it's a credit to the culture that's been built in the organization once Barry Trotz came in. Logan, they can't do it two more times, though, right? Not like that. I don't think that that's, uh, uh, you know, just, you know, holding off Tampa, holding off Tampa until you get a chance and hopefully go up. I mean, even without Braden Point and Steven Stamkos, I still think Tampa Bay's got the firepower to to get this done. I mean, I guess we've seen weirder things happen, but I mean, for them to to shut it down like that three games in a row against Tampa Bay, I'm I'm sure Braden Point will do everything he can to get back in the lineup. And if he's in, I I certainly don't like their chances. I, I just think Tampa Bay's more likely to break through than New York is to hold the line like that. And I guess we got to talk about Victor Hedman because uh, we don't maybe get to see a, a ton of Tampa Bay kind of during a normal season, but now we're we're kind of really focused in on him and 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 Peter. He is yeah, 
certainly worthy of the big contract he has, the high draft pick that he was, because he can kind of do it all. Shoots it a ton, big, strong man, and can really get up and down the ice a, a lot quicker than you think a guy with his size would do. Yeah, well, when you're going on NHL 20 and you're looking to create a defenseman, if you do it very well, it ends up just being Victor Hedman. Like I think he is um, as close to perfect as you can get for a defenseman. The size, like you said, the skating offensively, he's got a banger of a shot that he can get through and, and cause a bit of damage with. And I think he is a big reason why the Lightning can be so aggressive offensively when he's out there for half of the game in most instances when he's out there you can get a little bit friskier offensively you can try a few extra things because you know you got a rock back there to lock things down you you need one of those guys if you're going to play as aggressively especially in transition as Tampa Bay does he is so important to what the lightning do and you you almost you almost feel like he gets underrated at times because it's just, oh, yeah, no, he's really good. But you, yeah. you sit down and you watch him play both ends of the ice, and it really is incredible to watch. And, Logo, what is what is Barry Trotz going to pull up you know, from his sleeve there with, with some new trick or some new wrinkle? He's coached a million games. John Cooper has as well. But you'll wonder how he, what, what sort of motivation, what sort of tricks is he going to come up with to to see if he can get a deciding seventh game and, and push this series to the limit i don't know that there is a new trick or a new way to go about this if you're barry trotz i don't think you're you change too much you just try to get out and you know maybe get ahead of tampa bay if that's the the big thing you know try to get a lead on them and and really get to your game as soon as possible is probably the only thing i would say i mean their system and like PK said, the buy-in and all that has gotten them to this point. You just have to, you know, reaffirm that belief and continue to to buy in and believe that it's going to work for you. I mean, you, you know, yes, you're down in the series, but it's it's only three two. You win game six, and anything can happen in game seven. So, you know, take it day by day. But I think just you know keeping the faith in what got you there is going to be the biggest thing for the Islanders. And I guess, Peter, if you're John Cooper, he said, like, guys, we have that game. We just got to keep trying and, and not get frustrated because usually if you keep doing that and outshoot, like it took forever for, for the Islanders to get to 20 shots. But if you keep, if you can limit them like you did before, more often than not, you're going to win that game, right? Yeah. You, you would assume that when you hold a team to tw uh, 12 minutes without a shot, you're generally going to do pretty good if you that's can go good, right. A, that's, that's yeah. If you that's good defensive hockey. Yeah, if you can go a fifth of regulation without allowing a shot, you're generally going to have a great deal of success, especially when you counter that by then getting 37 shots on goal. Like for for the Lightning, it really is just stay the course and assuming that your talent is not going to get stopped 36 times. Like I, I just I. I, I, for, to be perfectly honest, don't know how they lost the last game. I, I don't see it happening again. Um, Varlamov could play out of his mind once again. Like, stranger things have happened. But for the Tampa Bay Lightning, you, you don't go out and, and make some big changes because that didn't work. It worked everywhere but the scoreboard, unfortunately, for Tampa Bay. And I, I just, I don't see that continuing. And just kind of flipping around a little bit, this is where maybe the bubble is going to help both teams. And I'm not sure who it'll help more just kind of flipping around with some of the stuff on Twitter and some of the stuff that's trending from Tampa Bay is uh, 
maybe a little little nervousness when it comes to the media and the fans and that sort of thing. And PK, maybe up in Edmonton, a million miles from Tampa Bay is exactly what what the Lightning will do. Just shut that stuff up because it doesn't matter anyway and just focus and do what you do. Maybe being away from your from your home arena uh, and not not having fans might help. Does it help Tampa or does it help the Islanders? I actually think it might help the Islanders because for for the Tampa Bay Lightning, I I don't know how many of those distractions exist in Tampa Bay anyway. Like I I don't know in a week where Tom Brady and the Buccaneers lost and the Tampa Bay Rays are battling for first place, not even battling, but are, are playing for first place in the American League East. I don't know how many deep intellectual hockey conversations are being had out there. And I, I wonder if for the Lightning, being in the bubble, not having the regular escapes, and kind of, I'm assuming, a lot of time spent on social media, seeing a couple maybe here we go again tweets and things like that, maybe that enters into your mind a little bit more than it would if you were in Florida during a regular postseason where you could just go to the beach and be relatively anonymous. I, I think the the more concentrated atmosphere might actually hurt the lightning psyche a little bit more in this. Okay, well, we'll find out tomorrow. Game time, 6 o'clock. We'll have it for you. Brendan Batchelor will have the call for you right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan will do that. And, uh, yeah, if there's, if there's game 7, that will be, I think it's 6, or are they going to move that one to 7 on uh, on Saturday? i got to look that one up, but we'll see uh, First things first, game six tomorrow, right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. And uh, guys, we're we're having a bit of a bit of a debate here on Hockey Central. Our 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 spiciest moment of the week. We th- we think we might have an early candidate, but it's not necessarily a done deal just yet, Peter. Because um, I think the the audience we, we can say this. It's our contest. We don't have to be all secretive about it. The the uh, post game. Uh, celebration and uh, chain uh, presentation for the Dallas Stars with some some very broken English from uh, some Russian players. So far, is in the early lead. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Yes, that that is very fair to say, and that is I, I think a strong contender. But as we've seen in the few weeks that we've been doing this contest, I mean, look, we we all knew this going in. This is a spicy show. It's very oh, for spicy. Sure it is. And so when you have the volume of spice that is produced, like there's, it's so tough to choose, but early on, that's a, that's a strong early contender for sure. Like we might have Eric DeHatchik just go nuts tomorrow and right. just be so spicy that it knocks the Dallas stars back to where they belong. Like it could <laughs> yeah. happen. It could happen. He oh. might just absolutely flip out on us. And then that it will be could the very spi- well be exactly the spiciest moment of the week. Uh, we're going to do that on Friday. We'll post it to our social media channels. Uh, it could be anything and uh, looking forward to it. It takes a real captain to make a bold choice made with aged rum for smoothness and blended with natural spices. Try Bacardi spiced for your next home game. We'll find out on Friday right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan we will put a wrap on Hockey Central, and find out what the boys are working on for the big show coming up later on this afternoon. Jays and Yankees at 6, and we'll uh, we'll tee up the show next right here on Hockey Central at noon. I Bacardi Spiced for your next home game. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, Peter Klein. It is Hockey Central at noon, and yesterday, Peter, you we uh, talked a little bit about 
Jonas Brodin signing that uh, extension with the Minnesota Wild, uh, seven years, forty-two million bucks, and and it's always a bit of a domino in the NHL, and that sort of leads to something else, and so on and so forth. And you kind of were talking about, well, what does this mean for a potential re-sign of TJ Brody after uh, twenty-four hours has gone by? What do you think it 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 sets the bar higher? Then maybe the Flames would want to pay, or or what you'd think he's worth. Do, do you think the Brodine contract has much to do, or will have much to do, with a potential re-signing of TJ Brody? I don't know if it has as big of an impact as people might think. I think when you look at okay, well, he is a defenseman, and we have defensemen who need to sign contracts. They must be related. But like I, I said yesterday, that, that's like comparing my contract to that of someone over at 660 News. Like, yes, we, we both sit behind a microphone and talk about things, uh, but one is vastly different than the other one. And I, I think when you look at Brodeen and Brody, aside from their names being quite similar, um, I, I think the players are different enough that there isn't much that the Brody camp can go to aside from he's a defenseman who made a lot of money. I think from a Flames perspective, you look at how different playing style wise Brodeen and Brody are. And it's tough to really draw the comparison. Brodeen is elite in his own end. Um, and just one of the better shutdown defensemen in the National Hockey League. That ain't TJ Brody. Brody has a, a number of upsides that Brody doesn't have, but he he is not elite in that one area. And also three years younger, too. So I, I don't think it has an effect. Hamannick would have a bit closer of a playing style, but again, older and isn't quite the, the same elite player in his own end that Brodeen is. So while there would be concern that what I quite frankly believe is an overpay might affect the defenseman market, I think when you look a little bit closer, it's not as much of a concern for the Flames as it might initially appear. So Logan, what do you, what do you think is reasonable if the Flames are deciding on TJ Brody and to make him uh, you know, a continued part of, of, of their team? What do you think would be reasonable for the Flames, knowing what we know about Cap and his, the player and all that kind of stuff, and and trying to get the uh, the recency bias out of our out of our heads a little bit, and just kind of having a well rounded, thoughtful sort of conversation? Where where do you come out on TJ Brody, or or, or do you think that's they're going to move on and and shop somewhere else? Well, when we had the conversation um, a few days ago last week. Uh, me, Peter, and Pat, I was of the camp that I would be okay seeing TJ Brody and the Flames kind of move on this offseason. But I, I think there's a conversation to be had about bringing him back at the right price. And, I mean, uh, that's different for everybody. But I think if you were the Flames and, you know, talking about a defenseman that's 30 years old now and uh, you don't want to get caught up too much in term, I think. If you were, you know, talking three or four years, I'm sure TJ is looking for a bit of a raise, so you're probably talking at least five million, maybe five and a half for that. I think is kind of where things, you know, wind up with that. I don't know that that's where I would be spending the money if I was the Flames, but I think that's probably in the area that TJ would be looking uh, for. And Peter, where where if you do a comparable and you're you're thinking about putting that kind of dough out for TJ Brody, do you spend that money or do you gonna see if you can? maybe come up with a little more cash and get somebody maybe a little uh, a grade higher or so. It's going to be tough, though. It's going to be tough come October 9th for teams that, yeah. are, that are trying to be, you know, be with this new cap, and everybody wants a raise, but you won't be able to do it, and there'll be some teams that, that have their own caps, too, where it's like, well, 
We're not sure if we're going to have the kind of cash we thought we were going to have. This is this is going to be interesting. Where do you come out on 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 uh, on a resigning TJ or maybe spending money somewhere else? And what type of player would that be? Uh, I think if you're looking to to really splurge this offseason, like Alex Petrangelo is obviously best case scenario. After that, there there are a lot of question marks for me, and that's why I think bringing TJ Brody back makes the most sense to me. Someone who has a good rapport with your captain, still just thirty years old, so don't don't do the Brodine deal with it with seven years. But if you get four years at right around the salary he's making now, um, and kind of explain to him, and I'm sure he would be able to figure it out, and his agency certainly would, that this is a flat cap. You're thirty. I don't know how much of a raise you can be expecting, but if you get him at like four by five, I think you're pretty comfortable with that because after, after Petrangelo, you're looking at Tyson Berry, who is coming off just a, a real rough season with Toronto and a pretty dreadful postseason with the Leafs. Tory Krug would be great, but I, I just, I think that deal is going to be maybe a bit too rich. Chris Tanev is a defenseman who I've always liked, but is always hurt. And it, it just seems like on down the line you go, there are more and more questions. Sammy Vatanen, great player, hurt a lot. It, there, there are just so many question marks to me that I, I would kind of go with all reliable and have TJ Brody back with the Flames. I think it'll be a reasonable enough cap number that you, you feel all right about it. Well, Logan, maybe the TJ Brody cap is going, well, wait a minute. If you've got, you know, you know, a couple guys that are going to get a ton of cash, maybe I can be like the next level. Maybe I can perish the thought, get up to five and a half, six million or something and, and be creative because there'll be some teams that are really looking to, to upgrade. You wonder, this is your, this is your time to shine and get as much money as you can. Maybe, maybe he looks past the flames and says, you know what? I want a new fresh start somewhere else. Yeah, maybe. I think that's always something you have to consider when you're, you're talking about a guy that's, you know, never been to free agency like TJ and is, you know, still probably not sure where his role fits in on this team whenever your contract goes up and it's not, um, you know, renewed ahead of time. You've probably got to wonder where you sit with the team going forward. And maybe it is here in Calgary. Maybe it's not. I think there's opportunity. I mean, if you go through the list of free agents like Peter did, there's, you know, you got to think you're feeling okay if you're TJ Brody in his camp because of what's out there. So we'll see if it, if it really comes to that. I don't, I don't know. I, th I think TJ's a comfortable guy here, but you, you just don't know when it comes to free agents and there's a lot of uncertainty out there right now. So we'll see what kind of works best for him and his family. That's uh, October the 9th is when free agency will open up for the NHL. We'll be all over it. Of course. Uh, the other news that's kind of circulating, we had it in trending now. It looks like Bill Armstrong, who's kind of done just about everything except wash the dishes for the St. Louis Blues, is going to get his chance. I, you know, honestly, guys, I don't know a whole bunch about him, but uh, looks like he's going to be uh, the GM of the Arizona Coyotes. Um, do we wish him well? Do we congratulate him? PK, where do you come out on this? Feel sorry <laughs> well, for him? <laughs> A little bit, yeah. Like that. That's it's a weird situation that he's going into. Like you go in. The last GM was very numbers driven and also left on very bad terms. And one of the things that was done in that time cost you a first and second round pick that many are believing you're going to have to recoup by trading the two most important players on your team, while the third most important player on your team probably walks in free agency. So not necessarily the room you want to be walking into as a, a general manager, but as 
is often said during these, there's only 31 jobs like this on the planet. So you, you take what you can get. But Bill Armstrong is certainly going to get a little baptism by fire because they have a lot that needs to get figured out. I, I think most people are assuming Taylor Hall is leaving in free agency. The Coyotes can't be working under those assumptions. They still have the exclusive, uh, exclusive negotiating rights with him for a bit. I, I think you need to take advantage of that time. And then the discussions of how do they get that first and second round pick pack, uh, pick back and what type of an organization do they want to be. This is a bit of a fork in the road moment, I think, for the Arizona Coyotes in what direction they want to go for the next few years. And to have a guy coming in day one having to figure that out is a little bit tricky. And to have someone coming outside of the organization into this cold, uh, I think he, he has a lot of learning he needs to do in the next couple of weeks. Logan, maybe he really likes a challenge. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I, just like I I've always he wanted to. He's got one. To. Here's an impossible <laughs> job. I'm going to, I really want to see if I can turn this thing around. Nobody comes to our building. Nobody cares. Uh, we uh, Our draft situation's really screwy. Uh, we can't get free agents. Uh, ownership is brand new and a little weird, too. Uh, this is going to be great. This is going to be yeah. just great. I mean, yeah, like, you got to love a challenge, I guess, if you're Bill Armstrong going into this, because you're you know going to be handcuffed budget-wise. You're handcuffed when it comes to the draft already um, because of the guy that, that left for another job. Your team is kind of stuck in the middle between contending and you know, being someone at the bottom. So there's a lot of work to do there if you're Bill Armstrong. You know, your best player that you spent more assets on in, in Taylor Hall is it feels like he's likely to be gone. So where do you kind of start? Is it a you know a retool under under him going forward and kind of building it up again with some of the young pieces? I, I don't know. It's certainly not an enviable task to, you know, to pick up and go with, but I mean, look, you like Peter said, there's only so many of these jobs. Someone's yep. going to be interested in it, and uh, I guess this is the the job he's got going forward. And, and most likely, they're going to put another zero on his uh, annual salary, so that helps too, right? <laughs> That's always one of those things. Yeah. Like, how much does this pay? Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll put up with the nonsense and see if I can turn this around. If not, I've got uh, GM on my resume, and uh, no harm, no foul if I can't turn around the Arizona Coyotes because nobody has before. So we'll see how that goes on. That's that's the story that Bill Armstrong will be named the Arizona Coyotes uh, GM. He comes from St. Louis, where he's had all kinds of experience doing all kinds of different things. He's worked in the ECHL and the American Hockey League as well. Coming up later on today, it's Inside the NHL with Pat Steinberg. We'll do that in the 5 o'clock hour. It's brought to you by Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op Wine Spirits Beer today. Guys, what do you have coming up for our number one of the big show and beyond? Tell me everything. Uh, coming up at uh, 1.30, we have Blake Murphy from The Athletic going to talk some Raptors offseason, uh, which is hilarious that my first day back here on Hockey Central. Do you want me to jump in on that at all, um, Pete? Do you want me to, <laughs> uh, no, I'll just send you some notes. Some just okay, some, yeah, some I thought that. starters because I watched about uh, 30 seconds of that last game and I had a few things you might want to. Yeah. Okay. But anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, on. no, say, say, save those for me. Just send them to our guest because he, he's supposed to be the expert, but you're the true expert. <laughs> okay. So we, we're okay. going to need him. That's there. what we'll do. All right. <laughs> uh, and then also, um, 
going to look at what the Islanders have done and how other struggling franchises can learn from that. So looking forward to uh, the one o'clock hour today here on the big show. And plus the glorious return of Will Nault at two o'clock. Will's back from his holiday. We got uh, Steinberg ready to go at two o'clock. It's going to be awesome. And we got some baseball at six o'clock. I mean, we're, we're set. We're absolutely set. We'll get it's the, a perfect day, really. Oh, I'll tell you. Wednesday, my favorite. Uh, we'll get going with the big show next right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.